Well, friends, we've got another great episode for you here today, and I'm actually going to focus specifically toward pastors in this episode. While I think this can be helpful to anyone, we're talking about criticism in pastoring, compassion, fatigue. We're talking about the things that challenge pastors specifically, and maybe 50 or 60% of those things are directly transferable to other leaders. But in order to serve pastors really well in this episode, we're going to address that specifically. I'm going to interview an expert and actually somebody who's walked through burnout before. So feel free to continue to listening to this if you're not a pastor, but I want to encourage you to share this with a pastor you know and love. They don't have to be struggling. They don't have to be on the edge of burnout. But I would encourage you to share this. You can just click down on the box if you're in Apple Podcasts or in Spotify, hit the share button, text this to somebody else, remind them that you love them, you care for them, and you want them to stay healthy as a leader and as a person. I'm going to talk for just a few minutes and give you a couple reminders before I interview Sean. Now, Sean Nemechek, again, went through burnout himself. He talks about what that was like. I brushed up against burnout. I wouldn't say I was fully burned out. I was a pastor for 13 years, and many of those years were amazing, amazing moments. I'm so grateful for them. I would not change them for anything. I absolutely love the church, and warts and all, the bride of Christ is worth investing your life in. And so if you are listening and you are a pastor, I have so much admiration for you, and I feel so much synergy with and cohesion with when I talk uh, with pastors, whether in a conversation over coffee at a pastor's gathering or in a coaching session. I want to remind them that they are doing something that is deeply worth it. And I share kind of from my own story many times. So I get pastor, I speak pastor language, and I know a lot of those challenges getting that email on a Monday morning about something that you preached about something you said or something you didn't say. You can never quite hit the issue right. And I hear a lot of pastors say to me, you know what, I just can't win. And after hearing that enough in this COVID season, this season of polarization, I finally said, I agree with you. You cannot win. And we actually need to move from trying to win to trying to be faithful to the truth in that moment and to be discerning. How do we be faithful to the truth and discerning at the same time in a polarized world, and you are not going to hit it right all the time in everybody's eyes. You're going to face criticism. You're going to face conflict. People are struggling in their own lives, and what I find is they often bring it to pastors. It may have nothing really to do with you, but their issue at home is going to make its way out um, through you and maybe even to you. Uh, in conversation. In fact, they may even be angry at you because you are the closest, most vulnerable person in their life who maybe hasn't abandoned them. And often uh, pastors get anger taken out on them. When we talk about burnout, there's a lot around time that people think you're just working too much. What I've found is that people who are burning out are actually, it's really an energy issue. And many times you have two and five and 10% energy leaks in your life. And maybe the dam hasn't broken in any one particular area. We think about moral failures, or we think about some massive thing in people's life that's, you know, maybe privately eating away at them and publicly gets found out. But what I've found is it's the two percenters that are leaking in my life. Where are the energy leaks in my life in leadership? And that's been true when I was a pastor, now true as I'm shaping, coaching, and cultivating leaders. 
uh, full-time is that those energy leaks are really what's going to get us. And so I just want to invite you to pay attention to areas that you may be leaking energy and that maybe you're doing too much, but maybe that truly the thing beneath the thing or the root of that is actually insecurity of, I don't know how to say no because I've never practiced that and I haven't learned it because I am afraid of disappointing people. And if that resonates, you are normal. You get into ministry to be a yes person, to be part of people's life and transformation and community and relationships. And those things are beautiful, but we have to learn what our values are. What do we value? What are we going after? What wins at the end of the day? And then um, how do we prioritize those things? And of course, build boundaries around those. And Sean in this interview talks a little bit about that. The second thing that I wanted to mention is sabbatical. I spend a lot of time these days leading leaders, especially pastors, through a sabbatical season. Now, this is a disorienting season. That's the number one thing I hear from leaders walking through sabbatical. We've been oriented for more, for growth, for success, for excellence, for really our lives revolving a lot around work. And suddenly, during a sabbatical, all those things that governed us, whether it was adrenaline, our schedule, the relationships we have with people through our work, the dopamine hits we get, the deep fulfillment we get from work are suddenly pulled out from underneath us, and we have to deal with a lot of things that we simply didn't know were there. And it feels strange to not have work accidentally governing or regulating us. And I remember my first sabbatical, I say, those 10 weeks, I was gifted that, you know, beautifully gifted that. I was so grateful uh, to our elders for gifting that sabbatical, but I really had no idea what to do with that time. Um, we had some family things going on, but as it related to my time with God, as it related to replenishment, I really didn't know how to be replenished. So if I had to grade myself, I'd, I'd give that sabbatical like a C minus. My next sabbatical, I was a little bit smarter. I had a little bit more of a plan, but I probably overplanned a little bit. If I had to grade myself on that one, maybe it was a C plus. But really what I was longing for is somebody to help me in two areas, companionship, somebody to walk alongside of me that I could really help plan this with, then I could help navigate that disorienting season of sabbatical. And then I could help, they could help me reorient based on what God showed me. How do I be different? How do I live changed? How do I be a transformed new creation as I live and work differently as a pastor, as a leader, as a dad, as a friend, as a husband? Um, how do I take actually what I learned and put it into my life on a regular basis? So I needed that companionship, that spiritual companionship. Secondly, I needed a structure. I needed somebody to help me create a structure and uh, to know what I was supposed to do. And I've been able to do exactly that. We actually have a few sabbatical coaches beyond just me at Stay Forth. And one of our favorite things to do is to walk through this time of sabbatical, which I believe has an inordinate impact on the rest of a leader's life. Those eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, uh, three months have an ability to shape the leader for a long amount of time. And I love to walk with leaders through that. As a mountain guide for the sabbatical journey, that can be very disorienting. We have it in three phases. It's a prepare phase. We prepare and plan your team, yourself, your soul, your heart, your family for that time. And of course, your schedule is about to shift. The moment sabbatical starts, we enter the experience phase. You're experiencing new things experiencing changes in your body, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul that you don't necessarily know how to name. 
and you're experiencing new things from God. Maybe you're experiencing exciting things or hard things, um, but regardless, you are experiencing new things, and we hope you experience God in a new and fresh way during that time. And then the phase when you return to work, we call that the reorienting phase. And if God disorients us or dislodges some things in that season, we begin to put the pieces back together, what healthy rhythms look like. So in short, that is our prepare experience and reorient three, uh, not just steps, but three phase sabbatical process that we coach people through. If you're interested in that, just shoot us an email at hello at stayforth.com. We anticipate a lot of sabbaticals happening. This um, spring and summer is the most common time for sabbaticals. I'm doing a lot of sabbatical planning with leaders and with teams right now. Very encouraged about leaders being more proactive about sabbatical and less reactive about that as well. There are a lot of different things we could talk about here, but I just want to remind you of this, that who you are matters more than what you do, that you cannot simply just output without inputs for your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I just want to invite you to have an honest conversation with yourself and a few close friends. Take an assessment. How is my heart doing? Overall, is there a freshness to the emotions in life? Do I feel like I still love people and can care for people? Do I feel emotions or am I numb in some way or some areas? Mind, are you feeding your mind with the kind of things and inputting your mind with the kind of things that you want to output um, in your teaching and preaching and care for people and conversation, reading about new topics? Are you over or under investing in your mind and the, the growth uh, in your in your mind, in your learning, in the things that you are passionate about and learning from others about. And what about your soul? How, how is your soul? Doing an honest assessment of your soul. Are you exhausted and threadbare and don't even know whether you have dreams any longer? Dreams are an extension of the soul. And do an assessment on your dreams. Have you been dreaming about big things? Have you been risking? Have you been taking on new things? And if not, it may be the idea of a dry soul not producing and not letting you dream like you could before. So heart, soul, mind, and we finish with strength. And this simply is just, if you were to take an assessment of your energy levels, how are you sleeping? What about your exercise? Are you waking up with vigor or are you having to drag yourself through the day? I've had to do reassessments. In fact, I constantly do reassessments in these four areas, but the biggest one for me is, is strength. As we get older, things change. Um, I have adapted and adopted naps, which I absolutely love, short naps in the midst of that. Now, the mind works together a lot with the strength. Of course, these are all connected. We're holistic beings. We're to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And guys, this is so crucial that we are giving ourselves enough time and space and energy and sleep and relaxation and replenishment. And of course, friends, the number one thing you can do, the silver bullet here, I believe, is a weekly Sabbath rhythm. A weekly Sabbath rhythm. You don't really have to think about it. It's just coming. And whether it's a rotating day, which is harder, or whether it is the exact same day each week, strategically placed a get-to day in a half-to world, a day of replenishment, enjoyment, and it can give life to the rest of where you give life, where life flows 
into you so life can flow through you. Pastor, your influence matters too much to not take care of yourself. And do not depersonalize yourself or look over yourself and forget self-care because that is not very kind to yourself and that is not very helpful to your congregation. Your people want to see you on fire. They want to see you loving your family. They want to see you energized. They want to see you cared for, and they need to see you modeling discipleship, loving the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is not an easy thing, but friends, it is worth focusing on. Your health matters. Now, on to my interview with leadership coach, sabbatical coach, and overall caretaker of pastors' souls, Scott Nemechek. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, man, you're really close to our heart in terms of how we care for leaders. Um, I have some similar aspects to my story as yours, which I share here once in a while. I'm just really excited to, to kind of dive in. Before we do, um, when people say, so Sean, what do you do? What do you actually tell them? I tell them I like to uh, help pastors who are in crisis. I work for PIR Ministries. Uh, we're focused on helping pastors who have been forced out of ministry uh, through conflict, burnout, moral failure. We come alongside them and help them heal. Uh, and so my work is focused primarily around coaching pastors through burnout to recovery. Wow. Uh, again, we do so many similar things. Um, we're more on the uh, preventative side. And so obviously I'm running across a lot of leaders these days um, that the complexity you mentioned, the criticism, loss, grief, many of the things um, that you're coaching on were part of your own story. So why don't you share some of your story? How did you get to this spot right now? Oh, boy, it's a long story. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a pastor for 18 years. Um, and uh, like any pastor, faced grief and conflict and burnout um, and, uh, or, or uh, criticism that led to my burnout. Um, and, uh, my, I went through a, a major, major period of burnout, uh, at about 11 years in, um, during that time, uh, there was some inquiry into my work because when you're in burnout, you're just not as productive as, as you were before. Um, uh, my critic launched an, an all out attack. And so what felt, uh, like an inquisition, uh, happened and lasted about three months by the time we were done. I was in full-on hypervigilant, uh, terrified mode. Um, I was suffering from post-traumatic stress and chronic traumatic stress. Um, lost my ability to care for others, uh, a condition sometimes called compassion fatigue. And uh, I realized there was something seriously wrong with my soul. Um, and so I went looking for help. I jumped in and read 86 books over the next year uh, about soul care, about burnout, about leadership, just looking for whatever answers I could find. I uh, came across some great teaching that uh, helped me realize I needed to be taking care of my own soul first before I was qualified to care for others, uh, something that I had seriously neglected. I had to learn how to grieve, how to lament the losses, um, 
and uh, then how to establish some healthy rhythms. And so as I started to do that, other pastors around me um, started to ask some questions, and pretty soon um, I was uh, coaching those pastors and uh, helping them uh, develop healthy rhythms in their lives. Uh, I started studying spiritual direction and uh, moving in, in that that way, and um, that all led to a, a moment where a good friend of mine was forced out of ministry very suddenly, um, and I walked with him for the next uh, three months uh, where he, he just came to my office and they was shouting and venting and struggling because uh, the reason he was fired was just absurd. Um, and then through that process, I realized this, this is the type of work that I can do really well. Mm. Um, that's what led me to work with PIR. Wow, that's beautiful to hear your own story shaping that. Burnout's a bit of a buzzword right now, mm-hmm. and yeah. but there is a lot of it. Um, when somebody asks you, what exactly is burnout? How would you describe it? Oh, there's a number of different ways we can describe it. Uh, some talk about it as being a total depletion of self. Uh, Henry Nouwen called it spiritual death. Um, I, When I'm talking with pastors, I say that burnout is what happens when our inner life with God isn't sufficient to sustain our outer work for God. Mm, that's uh, good. So we, we, what happens is we've gotten the, the work for God out of order. Uh, instead of living from our life with God, we're living for God, and our life with God gets neglected. Mm, that's good. Um uh, couple of C's that you mentioned. I want to kind of dig in on uh, conflict. Why is conflict so incredibly painful and even destructive for pastors? I think the reason conflict is, is so personal for pastors is because the work of a pastor isn't just a job. It kind of comes from who they are as a person, from their gifting. Uh, and so they are so personally invested in their work. When they're criticized, it's very hard to separate the criticism from their sense of self. Um, a lot of pastors haven't learned to differentiate between their work and their identity. Um, and so when their work is threatened, their identity is threatened too. Um, and this is especially true in young pastors. Um, pastors, I'm coaching through burnout, I often tell them burnout might be the greatest gift that you've been given because it will help you learn to to differentiate between your identity and your work. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't say I hit full-on burnout, Sean, but I was close. Mm-hmm. And I look back at it as a massive gift for me. Uh, some people can learn proactively. Uh, I think that was something that I just had to walk through. I don't believe everybody has to. I had to walk through at that phase. And luckily I didn't have kids. I wasn't married yet. Um, but I was living limitless. And that was, I think the only way that, um, that I could have really learned limits. And so I look back and kind of, kind of smile, even though that was, that was, there was a lot of depletion, total depletion of self sounds about right. And I let it happen. I take full responsibility for it, uh, in that time, compassion fatigue, talk more about that. Teachers are talking a lot about this right now. Healthcare is talking a lot about this right now. And of course, we need to for pastors. What exactly is compassion fatigue? What are some of those effects? So compassion fatigue is um, really unique to people who are in uh, helping 
uh, spaces. Uh, it, they're usually very compassionate people who are giving of themselves constantly uh, without doing proper self-care. And uh, when we aren't having our, our own emotional reserves filled up, uh, then we get depleted and we actually lose our ability um, to care for people around us. It feels like apathy, um, but it's much scarier than apathy because we're these compassionate people, that, that's really who they are. And uh, when they lose their ability to care for others, they lose also their sense of self along with it. Um, and so it can be a terrifying place to be in. But it, it really is. You, you lose your ability um, to care for others. Mm. Uh, part of your story was building a team around you after your burnout. Tell me about that. Who were the people you placed around you during that season? Yeah, I did not have anybody uh, to help me navigate through burnout, which is kind of why I do that now. Um, so I spent some time on a prayer retreat just asking God, uh, what do I need to do to recover? And he gave me uh, kind of five categories. Um, I needed first a counselor. I knew I needed to see a therapist. So I hired a counselor. Um, then I also had issues around my relationship with God and understanding his love. And so I hired a spiritual director uh, to help me with that. There were also issues in ministry that I just needed another voice, uh, another kind of a thinking partner to help me with. So I hired a ministry coach. Um, and uh, then I needed somebody locally who really understood our community uh, and how to mentor, uh, who met with me every Thursday morning for several years, um, just to make sure that we're, we're on the right track. And then I also knew I, I needed more friends. Uh, one of the, the realities of burnout is that because of the shame and anxiety around burnout, we tend to isolate ourselves, uh, which adds to the, the impact of burnout. And so I reached out to a pastor a friend who uh, um, we could just hang together and uh, not have to be pastors and, and just talk about whatever interested us and and uh, encourage one another. So those five things were really helpful for me, a counselor, a spiritual director, a ministry coach, a mentor, and a close friend. I've never heard of somebody going all in, and that's probably part of why you're here right now. I can imagine that your health just grew in so many different facets because you didn't put the weight of your situation on any one person. You, you understood that it was nuanced. And so I've actually never heard somebody build sort of a full starting lineup around yourself, which, which, is really, which is really cool. Talk about as you started to be replenished, what did that feel like? Take me inside of your story. One of the characteristics of burnout is a sense of hopelessness. Um, just can't see a way out or a way forward. Um, as I began to talk with counselors and spiritual directors and, and that whole team, one of the things I realized was this really isn't that uncommon. Uh, what I was feeling was, was normal for the, what I'd been through, um, and others had gone through it before me. So recognizing that there is a way through, 
I just have to find it gave me an incredible amount of hope. Um, and then having people speak into my life and telling me, yeah, what you've experienced is hard. Um, this isn't right. This is uh, time to grieve and, and just validating mm. some of the things that I misunderstood. Um, also questioning some of the assumptions that I was holding uh, a major portion of my burnout were my own expectations I placed on myself and how ministry should go. And I realized those expectations didn't come from God. They came more from church growth literature, from uh, denominational leaders, from going to conferences. Um, and really, they had nothing to do with faithful ministry. They were just pursuing bigger numbers. Um, so being able to to recognize I can let some of those expectations go. I don't have to put so much pressure on myself. And I could learn to live out of relationship with God instead of trying to build something big for God. Mm, that's so good. I don't meet another sabbatical coach very often. So uh, <laughs> we, you know, it's it's strange enough to meet another person that coaches pastors and share some similar pieces, you know, in, in their own story. Um but sabbatical coaching, we got to talk about that process. You get to see it from the inside out. Um, I've experienced or received two sabbaticals and, and really am coaching because I didn't really know what to, to do. It was a great gift given to me. I didn't really know how to steward it. And I love walking other people through that process. And, and it sounds like very similar for you. Um, when somebody comes to you and says, I'm tired, I think I need a sabbatical. What do you say? Well, uh, first thing I, I say is if you're at the point of feeling drained and tired, this sabbatical may be a little bit too late. Mm -hmm. um, a sabbatical really should be something to maintain energy. But um, if they're at that point, we say, all right, then here's some steps that you have to do. Uh, your sabbatical needs to be built around disconnecting from your work completely so that you can reconnect with God and family first. Uh, the first half of the sabbatical, I encourage uh, leaders to, to do that, to reconnect with God and family, to refill their tank, get some deep rest. Second half of the sabbatical, we talk about how do your rhythms of work and rest need to change in order for uh, you to have a sustainable rhythm once again. So many leaders are living in just unbelievably high output uh, rhythms without much rest. And that can only last so long, kind of like a tsunami. Uh, when it hits, uh, it leaves a wake of destruction in its path. Um, and so we talk about how to uh, create a sustainable pace for work and rest um, and what needs to happen to uh, to move back into ministry or, or work at, at the end of the sabbatical. Um, so sometimes we include coaching right in the middle of the sabbatical to help with that too. So um, how do you help differentiate, people differentiate between, you know, maybe you are doing too much and you do some elimination work, you need a vacation like everybody, right? Time away mm -hmm. from your work or a true sabbatical. Yeah. Um, so a, a true sabbatical um, is really uh, 
a, a way of creating a foundation for moving forward. Uh, I think vacation is the necessary disconnection for uh, being with family, uh, for getting some temporary rest. But uh, when I coach pastors, I talk about different rest rhythms. So um, I suggest that they work on developing a weekly 24-hour Sabbath, not out of some legalistic thing, but it's really for their health. Um, and we talk about how to make this the most life-giving day of the week. I've actually developed a, a Sabbath planning guide that I uh, work them through. Uh, then I also suggest you have a monthly retreat rhythm where at least uh, one day a month for the full day, you go away and just spend some time alone with God. Uh, you can use this to review the past month, to look forward to the next month, but it's really about just being alone in God's presence. Uh, then we talk about yearly rhythms uh, where you take uh, at least a week away uh, to be with God. Uh, some of that can be study leave and preparation, but it's really designed um, to, to disconnect. And then seasonal rhythms uh, would be more like a sabbatical once every five to seven years where you take a large chunk of time. Uh, I say at least 90 days, four months would be better. Um, where you, you do the deep work of disconnecting from ministry or from your work, um, reconnecting with God and reevaluating everything. Um, so th those are the rhythms that I teach pastors um, uh, that when they, they're all working together, uh, create a, a healthy rhythm for work and life. Let's, uh, let's flip the mic a little bit. Um, love to hear a little bit more uh, from you, and not just as a coach, but just as a, as a person, as a human here, uh, one with needs, one with joys, and of course, with things that deplete you and replenish you. Uh, get really specific with us here, Sean. What are some things that deplete you? And then, of course, what are some things that help you replenish personally? It's funny. Um, I'm a really creative person, and when I get into that creative space, it's, it can be almost manic. I can give myself fully to that work for days, weeks, even months on end. Um, it's a great strength of mine, but it's also something that will seriously deplete me. Um, I've noticed however long this period of creativity lasts, my period of crash and recovery will last about the same length <laughs> of time. Yeah. So uh, that, that's why I've learned I need to, even when I'm really passionate about what I'm doing, I need to take breaks, I need rest, I need to have space in there to make sure that this is sustainable. Um, so a lot of time it's the work that I love that mm -hmm. depletes me the most. And you think that's true for a lot of leaders? I, I think that's one of the most common things among the leaders that I coach through burnout is that they tend to love their work. Um, and when we love our work, we have difficulty setting boundaries around it uh, because we don't see the need uh, to rest because our work is so energizing. Um, but after enough time uh, and enough output, uh, what we love becomes what drains us. And uh, what used to energize us now becomes what sucks the energy out of life. What about replenishment? Where do you find replenishment? I find silence and solitude to be one of the keys to my spiritual health, my emotional health. Um, I love to 
um, connect with God in nature, um, walking slowly and just observing um, small details in his creation. Uh, I've also got a mindfulness practice that I learned from uh, Dr. Charles Stone, who wrote uh, the book People-Pleasing Pastors, um, that helps me kind of do a, an internal scan. Uh, I check my body, my mind, uh, my emotions, uh, and my soul, and, and really uh, uh, notice those things in the presence of God. So being, being aware of God's presence uh, as I do that is, is really important for me, too. Mm, that's good. Uh, let's shift over a little bit to the leader that feels like they're doing pretty well, the pastor that feels like they're in a, a pretty solid zone, um, probably isn't seeing red on the dashboard, probably a combination of green and yellow. Uh, what are some things you would really encourage leaders in that space to, to either start doing right now or continue doing? So one of the things, the exercises that I do with pastors who are in burnout, which also applies to, to any leader, is um, to work on your values, your priorities, and your boundaries. Uh, I found that a lot of pastors have no idea what their real core values are. Mm, uh, and, and when I'm working with pastors in burnout, uh, quite often when they discover those core values, they realize they've been living in a way that is actually opposite of those values. So when we discover the, the core values, the things that drive us, that give us energy, that create uh, the, the reality for what we do, uh, then we talk about establishing some priorities around those values. Um, and uh, there's a book by Greg McCune uh, called Essentialism. So was, good. was really helpful in, in helping me clarify that you can really only have one priority uh, that stands above everything else. So, so we get really in-depth and um, uh, have kind of a cutthroat way of approaching priorities that uh, helps us to get really, really clear on what, what's most important. So for me, I've learned um, my life with God has to come first, and then my care of my own soul and body has to come next, and then my connection with my family has to come next, even before I get to my work. Uh, if I get any of those out of order, things fall apart. Um, and it's from those, those priorities that we begin to start establishing some boundaries uh, and talking about a rule of life uh, that can, can really create an environment that's sustainable and healthy for ministry. I think any leader, uh, anybody in any leadership space, whether they're a pastor or business leader, they have to do this work Agreed. Uh, in order to be the best leader they, they, they can be. Agreed. Uh, you mentioned 86 books, right? <laughs> as you were burning out, which is crazy to think about when you're running on empty or below empty. 86 books. I'm going to limit you to three recommendations right now. Your book's not out. We're looking forward to that. Eventually that'll <laughs> land on the list. You can only recommend three books to a leader that says, I want to seriously care for the health of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. What three are you going to give them? Boy, that, that's a tough question. I know. Uh, Which of my children are my favorite? You yeah, know, I'm, exactly. I'm doing the whole thing too. So the book I'm using the most right now with leaders is Managing Leadership Anxiety by Steve Cuss. Steve Cuss. I love uh, Steve. He's been 
so helpful to so many leaders. It's such a practical book. Um, I, I highly recommend that. Um, the book that probably helped me the most was Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. Mm -hmm. uh, it's what introduced me to the idea of soul care, spiritual direction, uh, and kind of contemplative spirituality, which I found is, is really helpful for me. Um, and then the third book I would recommend is probably Emotionally Healthy Leadership by Pete Scazzaro. Um, another good one. Although, although there, there's another one I'm just getting into <laughs> now, but you said three, so oh, uh, I'll, I'll stick to those three. Uh, those, those three have been hugely helpful for me and for the pastors I work with. Mm, that's good. Um, besides your book coming out, which I know you've invested tons of time and energy in, excited for, for that, excited to read that, share that with others. Um, if you zoom out and you would love to say something 10 years from now about how your work has impacted pastors, what do you hope you can say 10 years from now? Thanks, thanks for mentioning my book, by the way, that comes out in April of 2023. don't have a title for it yet, but um, 10 years from now, I would really really love to, to be able to say that I've helped pastors be more present to God, uh, to his will, and to the people they're working with, um, to just be present, um, not driven, uh, not pursuing huge lofty goals, but driven, but uh, present to God and, and living out of their life with God than being driven forward. Beautiful. Love that, Sean. Thanks for your time here. Thanks for your work and keep trucking on that book. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. Sean, Sean, we ain't focused so long.